0: Have you ever wondered what is actually in the stuff that comes out of your nose when you sneeze or why you cough up mucus when you have a cold? It's something that uh, we have been mulling over ever since the flu season. And so, on today's Please Explain, we are talking about ear, nose, and throat fluids with Dr. William Reisacher, an otolaryngic allergist and assistant professor of otorhinolaryngology and the director of allergy at Weill Cornell Medical College. which is duly affiliated with New York Presbyterian Hospital. He's joining us now to answer your burning questions about bodily fluids, from mucus congestion to salivary disorders, and and much, much more. And we invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Uh, Give us a call at 212-433-9692. If you have questions about ear, nose, and throat, are your sinuses bothering you? Call us now. Uh, So, uh... What exactly is mucus? Is it
1: much more than just a sticky goo? Well, mucus is actually very important to the body. Most people run away from mucus, but as a ear, nose and throat doctor, I actually run towards mucus. Why do we need it? Well, pe- people come to my office and, and they ask me that all the time. And they they ask, you know, can I take out all their mucus? But mucus is actually extremely important. If you think about it like oil in a, in a car engine, right, and you try to run a race without any oil in your engine, that's exactly what happens to your throat and your nose if you if you didn't have any any mucus there. So And it's a, is it different than it's different consistency than phlegm. Do they come from the same basic places? Well, you know that that's interesting because it's a, a lot of just kind of wording that's been used throughout the years. Phlegm is really referred to uh, when you cough it up, uh, whereas mucus is all the the 2 liters of of liquid that you make inside your nose and your throat every day. Most of it actually goes down to your stomach.
0: So we make it every day for what reason?
1: Well, we make it for protection, for, for lubrication. It also has great uh, uh, protecting powers against, uh, against uh, viruses and bacteria and pollutants that are in our air. So is the problem when we make too much mucus? Well, not really. When, when you feel like you have that post-nasal drip, which is a, a common word that we use, it's not really that the body is producing too much mucus. It's really that the mucus is too thick. And the body thickens up the mucus whenever it feels like it's under attack. And, I mean, we feel like we're under attack from a lot of things throughout the day. But our bodies sense all of that, and it thickens up the mucus to protect us. So if it, comes, if it becomes thicker, we know that there's something wrong? Yes, exactly. It's basically a signal that something's going on. It's not a disease in and of itself.
0: What about the color? It's been said that yellow or green mucus is a clear
1: sign that you have an infection. Is that true? Not really. That's sort of a wives' tale. When you have an infection, usually your mucus is is a little bit discolored, either yellow or green. But just because you have thick, discolored mucus doesn't necessarily mean that you have an infection. It really just means that the mucus is too thick, and it's trying to tell you something. Can mucus also contain blood? Well, it can, yeah. Many times when, uh, when people cough too hard, they can break a little blood vessel, and then you'll see a little uh, blood tinging the mucus. Usually a little bit is not too much of a concern, but if it becomes excessive, that's when you need to call your doctor.
0: Is it possible to have perfectly clear mucus and
1: have a terrible sinus infection as well? Well, we make two liters of it every day, so and we don't notice it. So most of the time, it is very thin and very clear, and we don't notice it at all. We swallow it, and we never even think about it until we get sick or have some allergies. Well, what is a sinus infection? Well, basically, that's another name for an upper respiratory infection. Most of them are caused by viruses. We get bombarded with vi- with viruses every minute of every day. and our and our immune system defends us against those. We always think, well, maybe we just get a a couple of viruses every year. But really, our bodies defend us every moment of the day from that. And so an infection happens in the nose and sinuses when one of those viruses get through. And sometimes it can also be a bacteria. one of our listeners, Matt from Demarest, New Jersey,
0: asked, is snot acidic? Why does it hurt so much when uh, you have a cold and it gives us uh, sore throats when it's postnasal drip? Does
1: it become acidic when we're sick? well Matt you're thinking an awful lot about about snot and I, I like the, I like the thought um, you know it, it Is can not some- a scientific word Well, I use it all the time actually I, I don't even care if it's a scientific word. I think it's a great word to use. Um, but, uh, you know, if it hurts too much, it might mean that you're trying too hard to get it out. Uh, you want to just, if you're going to blow your nose, you want to do it really gently. And if that uh, snot is too uh, thick or it gets a little crusty, you may want to buy, buy a little bit of saline and, and, uh, and soften it up a little bit. What about over-the-counter antihistamines and decongestants? Well, those medications are really helpful. A lot of people that I see in my practice have bad allergies and antihistamines are very useful for for symptoms like sneezing, itching, runny nose. They're great for that. And there are also decongestants that are available on the market that help you when you have a stuffy nose. Really depends on your symptoms. Don't decongestants thicken the mucus? Not necessarily. Really, all they do is they, they make your blood vessels a little bit smaller and that sort of clears a little bit of the pathway in your nose so that you can breathe a bit better. What is uh, guaifenesin? Well, that's a mucus thinner. Uh-huh. And that's useful in the first few days when you have a cold and you just can't cough up that, that mucus or that phlegm. Uh, and then what it'll do is it'll help you, it'll help you thin out that, uh, that mucus and cough it up. But you have to be careful about using it too long because it just makes you cough.
0: My guest on today's Please Explain is Dr. William Reisacher, and uh, we are talking about bodily fluids and taking your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where I handle this at Leonard Lopate. This is the Leonard Lopate Show on WNYC and WNYC.org, and let's go to a couple of those calls. Ashley from Flatiron, you're on the air.
2: way, but I'm just wondering, is, there, is that normal, and is there anything I could do to prevent that, or does it even matter?
1: Well, Ashley, those are all really good questions, and a lot of people do find that when they go from a warm environment into a, into a cold environment, and vice versa, their, their nose runs. Sometimes it's uh, as simple as condensation, where when you're in a warm space, all the, all the moisture is sort of locked up in the air inside your nose, and then when, it, when you go into the cold area, it condenses, you know, just like in a refrigerator and it starts to drip just because the water comes out of the air. Some people are also very sensitive to changes in humidity and, and temperature. Our noses are amazing. They're, they're thermometers, they're barometers, so they can sense all those changes and they try to defend you when they, they feel something is going on out there. They're not just lubricating our noses? No, our noses can do amazing things. They can sense chemicals in the air, um, pollutants, particles, and uh, and they tell us when they don't like what's get, what's getting in there. And certainly, in a in an urban environment like this, we have no shortage of uh, of air quality issues. Thank you for your call, Ashley.
2: Thank you so much. Bye bye.
1: Lily from Manhattan, you're on the air.
2: Hi.
0: Go ahead. Hello. Hi, Lily. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great.
2: Well, I, you know, I've noticed that, thank you, I've noticed that after about 10 years ago, whenever I fly on an airplane, the pain in my ear gets excruciating. They don't pop. Gum doesn't help. I, it's the type of pain that just brings you to your knees, and you really want to just go get the pilot, but you can't. What is the problem with that? Because when I went to the doctor, they said, Oh, just take Sudafed or take uh, Zyrtec D, and it does help. But I want to travel, and I can't travel unless I dose myself up with that.
1: Yeah, Lily, I definitely agree with you. I don't recommend rushing the pilot when you feel some (laughs) some pain inside your ears. That that is not going to work out well for anybody. Um, But uh, you know, and that also shows the diversity of uh, of my field. You know, we have ear problems and nose problems. If you think about it, your ears are sort of like a tire. Uh, and they have air in them, and they need just the right amount of air pressure. Which so does, if
0: you yawn, doesn't that clear up your
1: ears? It can no. sometimes help because, uh, you know, what that does is that allows the air to go back and forth. Uh, but sometimes it's not enough, uh, and it's worse on the descent because they're sucking air out of the cabin. And uh, and, it, and the ears can get quite painful when that happens. So sometimes you have to do some some popping exercises. Have you ever tried those, Lily, where you hold the nose and you give a couple of seconds of uh, of pressure? Have you yes, tried that? I've
2: tried that. I've tried that. I've held the nose. But if I don't take the Sudafed or the Zyrtec D and I hold my nose and they still don't pop, I mm. have to use.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can use, I mean, if you can take a Sudafed or, or Afrin or one of those fast acting decongestants, you might want to try it a couple of times a day, the day before the day of, and the day after the flight that may help you a little bit more. And there are so also some products that are available that you put in your ear that can, uh, that can also uh, buffer the, the change in air pressure. You might want to try those as well. Uh, and if not just, uh, you may want to think about, uh, calling Amtrak your next trip. <laughs> when I was younger, Uh, I had a a problem
0: where uh, fluid would go into my inner ear, and then I would feel nauseous, I would feel unsteady, I would be dizzy, um, lose my balance. Was that because I was smoking? And why why would the fluid go into my ears? Luckily, I don't have the problem anymore.
1: Yeah, well, well, definitely when you're smoking and there's other pollutants going on, this problem can be a lot worse. And, and when people are younger, in childhood, the problem can also be worse because the system is not uh, well developed. But why are the fluids going into your inner ear? Well, when the, when the pressure gets so bad, basically the body does not want that space behind your eardrum to collapse. So it puts the only non-compressible substance that it has available, which is fluid from the surrounding tissues. So it puts it in there and that does keep the space open, but it's not great for hearing and it can get infected. Perry from New Jersey, you're on the air. Oh yes, hi. Go ahead, uh, Perry. I
2: have, I have a similar problem with that lady who uh, has who has a cane during the flight.
1: Do you guys
0: travel together? It, uh, are, are you flying United these days?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they're having worse problems.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Um, Every time when I blow my nose I feel like there's something in my ear but uh I I had been to uh ENT doctor and then they said there's nothing wrong with, with my ears but I I feel something every time when I blow my nose I feel like there's like liquid in there but I I know I didn't get any water in my ear
1: well, you know, if you feel like there's still something wrong go, going on in your ears, uh, th- I think it might be time for a second opinion. Sometimes uh, I'll, I'll get a hearing test, and there's a lot of other things that can be done to, to evaluate the problem. So if you still feel like something is, is going on in there, then it's definitely worthwhile uh, check, checking up with, uh, with one of my colleagues and getting a second opinion. A listener asks, why is it that whenever she's getting ready
0: to swim in the locker room, her nose starts to run, and she notices that uh,
1: this happens to many other swimmers as well? Ah yes, a lot of times in with the swimming pool because what what is a swimming pool is essentially a puddle full of chemicals, right? So the the nose can sense these, you know the uh, the although chlorine and uh, is odorless, you know the, the bleach actually gets into the air and it can be a real irritant. So a lot of people find that. What
0: about some of the natural remedies uh, for
1: getting rid of mucus, uh, nasal
0: irrigation? Um, how effective are devices like neti pots? You mentioned saline solution is. Is that the best?
1: Yeah, I think saline is a, is a great idea, particularly if your nose is, is on the dry side or you feel there's some, some thick mucus or some crusting. It's nice to gently irrigate the, uh, the, the mucus out. You certainly don't want to get rid of your mucus, but you just want the healthy mucus to, to populate the area. Is
0: that a problem? Rinsing out your sinuses will wash out both the good and the bad bacteria?
1: Now, there's enough bacteria to go around. You're (laughs) certainly not going to wash it all out, that's for sure. I mean, you just want to gently irrigate or even use just the the sprays that go in the front. Uh, You don't want to do anything that's too overly aggressive. uh, But a little saline is really hard to hurt yourself with that. What's post-nasal drip? Well, really, a post-nasal drip is that sensation that you have the mucus in the back of the throat. Now, it's always been there. It's there every moment of your life. It's just the ability to feel it. That's the sensation of post-nasal drip. And again, that's not, a, that's not an illness or a disease. It's a symptom that something else is going on. Are we more likely to be aware of it when we're sleeping or lying on our backs? Usually, when we're sleeping, uh, you know, if we're able to sleep, you're not even you're not able to feel it at that point. But when you're lying down, and also you're not uh, swallowing as as many times when you're sleeping, you might find in the morning that the mucus is a little bit thicker. And also, you're not drinking throughout the night, so you get a little dehydrated during the nighttime. Can a deviated septum cause postnasal drip? A deviated nasal septum doesn't cause postnasal drip, but it can contribute to some of your symptoms, particularly congestion, because if your septum is very deviated, which is the dividing wall in the nose, divides left. From right, the air doesn't move uh, well around the septum and that can dry out parts of the nose. Can it also be triggered by spicy foods or fumes from chemicals, perfumes, cleaning projects, smokes, other irritants? Yeah, and that's a that's a big problem. There are a lot of people out there who are very sensitive to chemicals, more sensitive than anybody else. I have patients who cannot walk into into Macy's and go to the perfume counter. They have to they have to go the other way and some people can't even go into department stores and shop some noses are very sensitive to chemicals and that was a protective thing many years ago in our evolution you know if we were able to sense a a fire occurring many miles off in the distance that person would be a prized person in our society sam from williamsburg you're on the air
3: hey leonard big fan of the show um, So, my question is i'm a i'm a competitive cyclist in new york i train in central park uh, about three times a week and race on the weekends and a lot of my, my peers and I, when we're riding about 10 to 15 minutes into a ride, you know, we start, you know, getting profuse amounts of, of snot running down our, our, our face and, you know, I'm, I'm wiping it off during the entire ride. I'm blowing it out during the ride. And is there something about, you know, the athletic exertion that, that turns on a faucet in my nose that just keeps it flowing throughout the ride?
1: Definitely. When you're when you're exercising, um, it can really rev everything up. So all the nerves get excited. The muscles are getting excited. All the blood is flowing. And sometimes when the when the blood is really pumping through your nose and through your body, it can cause some additional secretion of mucus. Uh, Plus, you're breathing a lot heavier. Um, Have you ever tried a breathe right strips that uh, that can sometimes be helpful for that?
3: No, I haven't. But but you would you would highly recommend it.
1: I would give it a try. I mean, you want to do okay. the, the exercise, and that's a really low-tech solution, and um, and, uh, and I hope it helps. No, thank, thank
3: you. It's not, it, it's not a huge problem. I just always wondered <laughs> why it happened so much. So, thank
0: you. Yeah,
1: that's part of your normal functioning, uh, but uh, give that a try. See if it helps.
0: We <laughs> have to take a little break. We'll come back with more of today's Please Explain Look at Bodily Fluids with Dr. William Reisaker and otolaryngic allergist uh, and assistant professor of otorhinolaryngology uh, and the director of allergy at Wild Cornell Medical College, uh, which is affiliated with New York Presbyterian Hospital. We're taking your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And we are back with otolaryngologist Dr. William Reisacher, who is a, an associate professor of otorhinolaryngology. Uh, and the director of allergy at Wild Cornell Medical Center. He's also affiliated with the New York Presbyterian Hospital. And we're taking your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WMIC.org or Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Before we get to any more calls, how do allergies affect nasal mucus?
1: Well, people who have allergies uh, many times find that their mucus is very is very thin, actually. So the 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 nose runs like a faucet. It's like water, so that's one way to, to differentiate differentiate whether or not you have a cold or, or some allergies. Because it? they're very similar, the, they are the very reaction of it to an allergy and a
0: cold is very seems to exactly. be almost the same.
1: Yeah, typically with allergies though, the the mucus is very thin and it just does not stop running.
0: Are they different between children and adults,
1: between men and women? Well, adults develop allergies just like, uh, like kids do. And it really depends not only on how allergic you are, but also your exposure. So kids who run around outside all the time may do better than adults who are spending time in an office building, for example.
0: What's in a sneeze? Uh, approximately how much mucus escapes during a sneeze?
1: Well, I don't know if I have that exact number for you, but it, it can vary from person to person. But the uh, the velocity can be uh, be an amazingly high, almost a hundred miles an hour when you when you sneeze. Sometimes uh, you rarely sneeze one time. Usually, you sneeze and. Two or three times. Why is that? That's a good observation. Many people who have allergies notice that they have that repetitive sneezing, so their friends are sort of counting them down when they're sneezing. And that's, that's another good indication that you, you might want to see an allergy-trained specialist. And uh, do our
0: eyes always close involuntarily during a sneeze?
1: Usually the eyes will close during a sneeze or any, or any strong uh, action like that. Should, what happens when you try to suppress a sneeze? Is that a bad thing to do? It's really hard to do. But one way you can actually try to do it if you're in the library or you, know, you don't want to sneeze is just put one finger right at the, right at the lower part of the nose, uh, right on the upper lip, and, and press down on that. And that can sometimes turn off a sneeze. That's a quick trick. We're getting a lot of
0: uh, questions on Twitter and on our show page about the best way to clean ears and
1: prevent wax buildup. Do you deal with that as well? Oh, sure. That's a favorite topic of mine. Yeah. I mean, basically, the ears want to be left alone. Wax is normal for the ears. There is no maintenance required for your ears, and wax is extremely beneficial. Q-tips were never invented for that purpose. So you shouldn't, you, you're saying I shouldn't put a Q-tip in my ear even if it starts itching because of wax buildup? That is correct. Usually the itching occurs because people put their fingers and Q-tips inside the ear. So less is more.
0: Patricia from Brooklyn wants to know how to distinguish between mucus and stomach acid, the reflux.
1: Well, there's a lot of overlap between those problems. And if you have stomach acid that's coming up, what we call acid reflux, many times people will find that they have thick mucus because the body is trying to protect itself against that acid. So you don't have to differentiate between the two. You're allowed to have both. And Judy on our show page asks, is there any way
0: to prevent sinus infection? She gets them twice a year.
1: Well, actually twice a year, you're below the average. Generally people get about three to four upper respiratory illnesses uh, per year. Uh, The best way to, to prevent upper respiratory illness is to wash your hands. That is the best way to prevent illness. Now, if you find your, your illnesses are becoming very severe, they're lasting more than a week or two, and they're very severe, requiring you to go on antibiotics, then you want to see your doctor and have them take a really good look inside your nose to make sure there's nothing blocking off your sinuses or, or any other major problems up there. A problem for someone like me is that sometimes, uh, just from out of nowhere, there's a
0: tickle in my throat, and uh, I'm talking on the air, and suddenly I have this real problem that I have to deal with. I get, it actually causes fear, which is a whole other issue here. But where does that tickle come from?
1: Well, it comes from some irritation in the throat. Sometimes that could be a particle that you just uh, were breathing in through the air, and it just touched the wrong area. But again, that's why we really need our mucus, because when those little particles come inside our throat, we want them to sort of hit the mucus and then the mucus gets gets uh gets tracked down towards our stomach, so all those little particles get uh, get brought down to our stomach where we don't notice them. But if your mucus is too thick or you're too it's too dried out inside your throat, then then that little particle that gets in there can cause a, a cough or a tickle sensation.
0: Jim from Brooklyn, you're on the
1: air.
3: Hey guys, uh, like most people, I sleep with a during the summer I sleep with a window air conditioning unit, mm-hmm. and when I first you know the rest of our house is kind of humid and and whatever the season is, but our bedroom's pretty cold, and when I lie down, it's like my nose hurts, my like the area behind my eyebrows hurt, my ear hurts, but I don't know if that's because I had a mastoidectomy when I was like three years old. And then when I wake up, it's it's like I have a cold for the first half of the day. I kind of have it right now where I have a scratchy throat, and the area between my eyes kind of hurts. Is there anything? Can't sleep without an air conditioner, so is there anything I could do to kind of alleviate this issue?
1: Well. A lot of people find that they have problems when they start using an air conditioner. And one thing you might want to try to do is, uh, is, is make sure the air, condition, air conditioning unit is well-serviced. Sometimes it can build up mold and, and other contaminants mm. and dust and particles. So you want to make sure somebody comes in and really gives it a once-over, change the filter. Um, but uh, a lot of people find that. And once they do that, if you maintain it well, that may help out the problem a lot.
0: Great. Jerome from the Bronx. Hi. Hi.
3: Hi. All <clears> right, <throat> uh, thank you for taking my call. Over the past 2 years I've had maybe uh, the following occur about 4 times. Um I get um uh, a pain uh I guess in my sinuses, sometimes the a tooth uh, on that <clears throat> on one side becomes painful and I begin producing um huge amounts of uh really yellow snot and i have to take antibiotics i never had this before and i'm wondering uh if there's some reason you know that might i might intervene to do, prevent do
1: this. things change as we age things definitely change when we age. And uh, Jerome, you're you're a perfect patient for me because this is exactly the situation where you really want to go see an otolaryngologist, an ear, nose, and throat specialist, because it sounds like you're getting some severe upper respiratory infections. And it's a a good point that you make that sometimes when you have those infections, you can feel pain in your teeth. So you may be tempted to go to your dentist, but if everything is good with your teeth, then you want to check with your ear, nose, and throat specialist to make sure everything is okay inside your nose. Since we're talking about our teeth, I was wondering about drooling. What causes drooling?
0: Can we have too much saliva?
1: Well, it depends on who's doing the drooling and how much alcohol they've had to drink before they've done the drooling. So there's a lot of situations that, that can lead to that. Um, children, of course, uh, you know, tend to drool a little bit more. And many times it can be due to nasal, nasal uh, congestion because if your nose is congested, your mouth is going to be open. And we make a lot of saliva. We make about a liter of saliva every day. And if our mouth is open, some of that saliva is going to make it out. And that's why we drool. Kenneth from the Bronx, you're on the air.
0: Hello, Kenneth.
3: One of, the, one of my questions already, so I have two more, and I'll make it, uh, I'll answer. I'll ask them, and I'll, I'll take an answer. Uh, one, uh, the for, yeah. and Kenneth, we're having a, we're having a problem.
0: Kenneth, the call is breaking up. Can you call right back? We'd like to put you on the air, but uh, it was impossible to understand what you were saying. Uh, so let's go to Sean from Long Island. Hi, you're on the air.
3: Yes, hi. Um, the last couple of years I've been having this issue where my, I have to constantly keep clearing my throat, and it seems to get worse when I eat or drink things. Um, and it's it develops this like, really thick, mucusy feeling at the back of my throat, and I just have to keep clearing it, clearing it all day long, basically, uh, from wake, you know, when I wake until I go to bed, basically. I was wondering if it had something to do with what I'm eating, or if it's an underlying issue with my throat that I should be uh, looking to medical help for.
1: Well, Sean, I think you made some great observations. You noted that it was somehow associated with eating and drinking. So, definitely, that's high up on the list of possibilities that maybe you are getting a little bit of stomach or acid problems. And, you know, as we talked about before, that can certainly cause that mucus to get thickened. And then you're going to want to clear your throat when you feel that thick mucus there. So, definitely get that checked out. But that sounds like uh, you're onto something. Thank you for calling. Uh, I was wondering are we expelling a
0: lot of bacteria? Or, or viruses when we sneeze, when we cough up phlegm?
1: Well, there's a certain amount of bacteria that's in the body. I mean, is that a way uh, that the, the body's the getting rid of those things? Not really getting rid of the bacteria, because if you think about it, the bacteria is actually critically important for the body to, fo- to function normally. We have more bacterial DNA in our body than our own DNA. So uh, we rely upon the bacteria that's inside our our airway and our throat and our definitely our stomachs and our intestines. Uh, some comes out with the uh, with the with the sneezes that we have, but certainly it's not really a primary mechanism to to rid the body of bacteria. Well, what about viruses when we have a cold and we're sneezing? Yeah, sneezing is a way that you know we try to expel a, a variety of things that are that are coming inside the nose. So that's just a protective reflex. So lots of things come out when we're sneezing, all the particles and uh, viruses. Because we could also spread our illness to other people. Right, obviously, right. when we sneeze, and
0: uh, or if we touch a, a on the subway, we touch the pole exactly. after we have wiped our nose.
1: Yeah, you don't want to worry as much about the sneezing people around you because the the viruses are spread more by contact. So it's more touching that pole in the subway rather than the guy next to you who's sneezing his head off. Brenda from Marine Park. Hi.
2: Hello. Um, I fell on Monday this week. Fell on my nose. And I was treated in the emergency room. I had excellent care. Wonderful doctor. Uh, I still have stitches. They're going to come out next week. But this is the problem. I can't taste anything at all. Nothing. Uh, I want to know about the taste buds. Will they recover?
0: There is a link between
1: smell and taste exactly i'm i'm going to have you come to work with me in my office you, you did wonderfully with that yes there is a, a linkage between taste and smell so when you fall on your nose and you um and you can't and you can't smell as well. That definitely affects your taste. Uh, the combination. This, would this sound permanent, or could would this just be a temporary situation? It's usually temporary, so you don't have to worry about okay. that. But okay. the sense of of uh, smell and and taste together is what we is what we call flavor. So that's that's really what gives the food the flavor. So it tends to taste flat when our nose is congested. We once did a, a, a
0: taste test on this show, where we put nose clips on, and we couldn't taste these very powerful tastes until we took the nose clips off. Uh, That's a great experiment. Jonathan from Brooklyn, hi, you're on the air. Hey
3: guys, uh, thanks for taking my call, Leonard. Long time, first time. I'm actually really curious, because ever since I can remember, I actually, I would always get really uh during and after eating. And so much so that my mom would always even ask me, "Are you sick? Are you getting sick?" You know. So I, I was always curious, like, why do I develop kind of all this uh, mucus and a runny nose during or after eating?
1: Well, I'm I'm glad that somebody finally used the word verklempt in this uh, in this talk. <laughs> I was really hoping that was that was going to happen. Um, so you notice that when you're eating, the uh, the mucus uh, starts flowing a little bit faster from your nose. Jonathan? Yes,
3: it that's that's what I feel.
1: Yeah, I mean that can be also related to the to the type of food. So sometimes if uh if you'd have uh, maybe uh, food that's a little bit more spicy or even the heat. So if you have some some food and there's a little bit of a uh, maybe a little bit of steam coming off it or some some actual physical heat, that can be a stimulus for the nose to, to start running. You know, it's sensitive to all of those things.
0: Now, uh, a listener, I don't have time to put any more calls in, but a listener called in with a question uh, that uses another word. I even like it more than for Klimt. He says, where do boogers come from? Uh, is that just dried
1: mucus? Basically, that's the end of the mucus trail. So mucus starts out very thin and water-like, and then as it gets thicker, it, uh, it becomes a little yellow. Then it becomes green, and then at the end of the line, it's just a booger. And then it's really hard for it to come out. Sometimes it can stick in there, and as you know, there are different strategies to, to get that out. But ultimately, it'll all work its way out. And whatever you do, if you're next to me on the subway, don't use your fingers, Please. Yes, just be careful. Leave it to a professional. I'm a professional nose picker. I don't want any amateurs out there. Dr. William Reisaker is an otolaryngologist.
0: He is an associate professor of otorhinolaryngology uh, and the director of allergy at Weill Cornell Medical College, also uh, affiliated with New York Presbyterian Hospital. And I thank you so much for talking about all these different things with us today for our examination of bodily fluids on Please Explain. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me.